You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and the EU Film Festival is coming up. It's underway and uh, the Irish entry this year is The Drummer and the Keeper and that will be screening on Friday, November 30th at 8.30pm and it's at an exciting venue uh, down at the Arts Court and the new renovated space that is down there and the director is Nick Kelly and it's featuring a touching plot highlighting by topical commentary of on the nature of mental illness and mental illness is something we're all very much aware of and uh, certainly here in the city we're very conscious of issues around the shepherds and the mission and the drummer and the keeper is the feature length debut for Irish musician turned director Nick Kelly and Gabriel a teenage rock drummer with a rebellious and spunky street is frustrated when he is suddenly diagnosed with a bipolar disorder and forced to seek treatment by his family and bandmates Gabriel begins attending therapeutic soccer matches on the advice of his therapist and during one soccer match he strikes an unorthodox and tenuous relationship with Christopher a neurotic and but admirable goalkeeper with Asperger's syndrome and although the relationship is antagonistic at first, before long, Gabriel and Christian form an unlikely bond that will change them forever. Particularly timely, Nick Kelly, uh, thanks a million for agreeing to have a chat, first of all. Oh, it's a pleasure. I've, I've been to Ottawa a long time ago now, but I remember it still. Uh, so it's a great pleasure to be chatting to you now. And particularly when your subject is, is uh, soccer and there have been some changes in the League of Ireland this week. <laughs> Oh, very, very indeed. It's literally just uh, hot off the press is who will next be called upon to manage the the, uh, the, the hospital pass that is the Irish national soccer team. Um, it won't be me, probably, but uh, hopefully it'll be somebody who can raise us up a bit. So, Nick, um, musician turned director, a little bit on your musical background, first of all. Well, yeah, I was um, I was in a band called The Fat Lady Sings for the guts of 10 years. Uh, I toured, in fact, uh, with uh, The Fat Lady Sings. Uh, we toured all over Canada, including to Ottawa, as guests of Spirit of the West. So very fond memories of, of that uh, that visit, that long visit to Canada. Um, and um, so that was all I did, really, for, for 10 years. And then I split the band at a certain moment and sort of stumbled into writing ads for TV and then through that I sort of realised that I was a lot of the things that I got out of writing songs um, and, and a little bit out of writing ads as well, uh, you know, I, I found myself drifting into writing and directing short films and, and you know, I made several short films which were lucky enough to, to win prizes and to, to um, do well and um, and that sort of brought me to, to uh, writing and, and directing The Drummer and the Keeper, which is my first feature. And I'm delighted to say that, that, that you know, we've, we've been having, you know, fantastic reaction, really. So, so it's, uh, um, it, 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 feels, it, feels like a, it feels like the kind of hit that I never actually succeeded in having as a musician, to be honest. So, uh, focusing on mental illness, uh, mm. it's a challenging area um, because to try to convey to an audience the pain, the difficulties, the challenges that someone suffering from mental illness can suffer from uh, is a challenge in itself. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... The, the thing to me, I would always say... So, so first of all, I, I think the, the most important thing that from, for me writing the film and then directing was that I felt I knew those two worlds of both the two main characters very well. 
because I'd been around rock bands, I'd met lots of musicians in rock and roll who had mental health issues, including plenty of them who didn't realise they had mental health issues, because rock and roll itself is quite bipolar. It's sort of, it's, it, it's, it's all like incredibly heady highs and very, very dark lows, and success is very unpredictable, and, um, and I think that you're almost expected to behave in, in, in extreme ways. So it's not just tolerated, but it's kind of applauded. So a lot of people I'd met in rock and roll were people who were quite extreme, and, and you know, there definitely were people who, who had mental health issues and, were, and subsequently were diagnosed and had treatment. So I sort of knew the world of Gabriel, the drummer, pretty well. And then I have a child um, uh, with Asperger's syndrome. So, uh, you know, I've met through him lots of people in the autism spectrum. And I felt that I knew that world quite well. So, so I think the most important thing and the thing that's really helped me in the film is that I, I, I think once you're truthful about the characters, you, you, you don't really have to be scared about anything they do or say. And I think that, you know, I felt, I, I felt confident writing about those characters. I felt, you know, I, um, I mean, I always say, no matter what the, the subject of the film, I mean, you know, sex in the movies and sex in real life is not the same thing. War in the movies and war in real life are not the same thing. And your personal experience of a mental health issue or your personal experience of neurodiversity won't necessarily be what you see in my movie. But I do think that most people who have knowledge of both those areas have said to me they find it, they find it very they don't find it untruthful. So I, I think that that's. I think it all comes out of, if, if, if you're truthful to the characters, it, it's actually not as hard to, to write about difficult things as, as, as you might imagine. It's only when you, you sort of go in with a sort of um, not really knowing what you're, you're not really knowing what they're going through that, that, that you tend to come a cropper. But that then begs the question, Nick, for something as sensitive as this and for something as challenging, getting people to be able to get into character and to portray what you could relate to and put on paper mm -hmm. in script, to take that script and to put it into action also represents a huge challenge. Well, I mean, it, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it, brings, it, it brings up the thing that is absolutely the most important thing in all forms of filmmaking, but especially when you're, when you're getting into sensitive areas, which is to do with casting. I think the you know we I spent six months casting this film. Um, I you know I feel the actors in particular who play the two lead roles, but also lots of the other actors who play other uh, smaller roles in the film. They did incredibly good work. We rehearsed a lot of stuff. We put we and they they researched a lot of stuff. We put you know we embedded the. Uh, um, Jacob, who plays Christopher, in an awesome drama group for six weeks, along with the other three actors who play characters with autism. All the other, there's four actors in the film who play people with autism. Everybody else who appears in the film who's got autism is actually from that awesome drama group. The, 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 and similarly with, with um, Dermot, who plays Gabriel, the drummer, you know, I introduced him to, I think, five different musician friends of mine who's had mental health issues. We worked a lot with uh, St. Pat's, which is like the major psychiatric hospital here in Dublin. And, and I think each of, each of the actors went and did a huge amount of their own work. And I, and I just, you know, I, I kind of know that that's the reason why the film works, actually. For all my writing, it's actually really to do with it's things that you can't put in a script, really, that, that, that it, it, they 
did that work. And, and you know, I, I just have to say how lucky I was to get, in particular, those two actors. And, in fact, I would say my whole cast, you know, it's 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 been the big... Uh, it's the big joy of making movies is that you, you if you if you choose the right people, it sort of happens. It sort of happens magically, actually. So I, th- I think that's the biggest thing is the work that the that we we all did, and but in particular that the actors did beforehand. Um, and you know that's it's a luxury you get when you make a low budget film. Sometimes is that we had a lot of access. Uh, and, and the, their agents indeed were very kind about that. We, you know, we spent a lot of time before we shot. So by the time we got to set, I totally trusted their choices, you know, and 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 their knowledge of those characters. And that would be Dermot Murphy, who plays the part of Gabriel, and Jake McCarthy, who is playing the part of Christopher. Um, a little bit on their background. Well, each of them, uh, I would say, you had been in some things, but probably. You know, Dermot had been in a, in a couple of in a, a couple of TV shows in in Ireland, but you know, not wouldn't have had a massive profile and and would have done the indie films. And Jacob actually did just a short film, um, but both subsequently uh, since filming, and Dermot plays Bob Geldof in the new Bohemian Raps film, uh, the Freddie Mercury biopic. He played, uh, he's got you know he's in a number of films coming out next year. Jacob um, uh, had got a lead role in a big um, NBC show called uh, APIO, which I, I saw his his face on uh, Sunset Boulevard when I was in Los Angeles earlier this year. So they're both they're both very talented actors, um, and we were just lucky that they came into the room right at the end of casting, and they came in the same day. And you know, it's you, there's a lot of really really good young actors in Ireland, and. I'd seen a lot of really good people for both those roles, but I, there was something about the two of them. They had there was a sort of a their chemistry was a really interesting chemistry. I thought so. So uh, I think I think we were lucky. We got them quite quite early, but I think they're both uh, well. They both are already becoming pretty successful um, afterwards. So Nick, you mentioned that. Um it's a low-budget film, but aside from financing, what would you say was the biggest challenge? Oh, I think it's... <laughs> I mean, I've written all my life, and it's always the writing is really hard. I mean, I've been, I've written songs, I've written ads, I've even written articles for newspapers, and I've written uh, short stories occasionally, and I've written lots of film scripts, and it's it's really, really hard to write something that works and then it's really really hard to write something that people will fund you to choose so i mean i after we got the money for the drummer and the keeper i rewrote that script 24 times before we shot and a lot of it was to do with getting something it down to to a number of scenes where you could shoot them in in 20 days which is what we had um but, but that's the that's the thing i think is how i mean i think it's i think it's kind of the work so, so I really, you know, I, I'm, I feel good. I love having written, but I find writing is hard. But every writer finds writing, unless they're lying. I don't. I, so I read sometimes about writers who, who they bound out of bed up to the, to to meet their characters for the next morning. But um, I must say, I'm not like that. Uh, I think it's it's like pulling teeth. But but I but I somehow I have a masochism that makes me want to pull those teeth. So, Nick, when you say it's the writing then, for someone who's writing a novel or fiction, 
and they write the story and they'll pass it off to an editor or um, some friends to read. Because mm. it's a screenplay, uh, it's probably a different... Uh, it is a different discipline. So if you hand it to somebody to read it, it must be very few people that would have the skill set necessary to be able to give you the kind of constructive feedback you might need. Well, I think, it, I mean, feedback is, yeah, I mean, the nature of filmmaking is it's very, very collaborative. And in fact, I have to say that having a background in advertising in particular is incredibly helpful because, you know, everybody gives you notes. So, you, you know, you get feedback from funders, you get feedback from your producers, you get script advice, you get feedback from, and, but, you know, you're also getting feedback from, from your camera guy who says, listen, we can't shoot this on a river, we have to shoot it on a beach, or, you know, it, I mean, a script is such a weird document, I mean, it's really not like a novel or like a, a poem, I mean, it's a, it's a mixture between um, a sort of a, a very, very economically written, but sensationally written poem, and, um you know, a set of architects' drawings. So, so you're very, very used, I think, in film. I, 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 in fact, sorry, I, I'm going to say, people who go into film from having written books find it incredibly difficult because actually, one thing you're never short of is feedback. Now, you might disagree with some of the feedback, but 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 the nature of the game is that you will. Uh, it's such a collaborative enterprise, and every one of the bits of that enterprise will have opinions on what you've written on the page and you sort of need to be excited by what people bring back in response to what you write rather than be horrified and disgusted at them for not taking every word you've written as a jewel that can never be improved upon so I think having worked in advertising for a long time I think I was pretty used to getting feedback to, first of all, not immediately leaving the room and slamming the door. And then I think you, you, what you need to do is you need to um, work out what's useful to you and what you can, you know, and try and build on that. And sometimes there's a thing where you really, you know, you really do dig your heels in. But I think, you know, I, I tend to save my battles, you know, t till I really know that they're the battles I want to have. So, so I, I think one of the things about making movies as opposed to other art forms, but it's very like rock and roll as well, is that it's a sort of a chaotic form rather than a, perf a form of perfection. You know, I think people who are perfectionists shouldn't make movies. I think you have to kind of love the chaos of other humans and love their, love their input and be interested in their input. And that's where it comes down to casting again. I mean, it's who you choose to have around you on both sides of the camera who you choose to have read your material and, and who won't just tell you what you want to hear but, but will tell you what you need to hear. Yeah, you mentioned there something that struck a chord and that was, it was a bit like an architect's drawing uh, when you mentioned that maybe it's the cameraman might tell you because as I was listening to you it struck me that as a construction project is going ahead and it's taken from an architect's drawing to actual construction you walk in and you say, uh-uh, this just isn't quite right. So um, the need to be adaptable, <laughs> flexible, and open to making changes on the fly obviously is a skill set that is very strongly needed. I think rock and roll, which is a, a, a very chaotic art form, is brilliant training for making movies. I, I do a show sometimes where I say, instead of going to film school, if you want to make movies, you should join an obscure rock band and everything you need to know you'll find out. 
But it's exactly like that. I mean, you have these architect drawings, and then you get on set, and the plumber is shaking his head and saying, well, unfortunately, the water table is too high for us to do that. Or the, the electrician is saying, you know, are you really, do you really think four plugs is enough in this wall? I think we're going to need eight. And, and you know, and the painter, you put one swatch of paint up and you realize that actually it's much too dark for the way the light is hitting the room. I think that Lenny Abrahamson said a brilliant thing about directing. I mean, you're the only person on the set who hasn't got a specific job. But actually, he says your basic, your most important job is to be present. So in other words, that you're awake and you're looking and you're, I mean, people are asking questions all the time, but you're also, you're just aware of what's happening in front of you. And some of the things you need to be aware of are things that are going wrong. So sometimes a thing that you've thought was a great idea, it's becoming clear that a, it's, it's not working the way you thought. And so you need to obviously be good about fixing things or having good people around you who will make good suggestions. And, you know, I've always been lucky that way. But I think the other thing that you need to do on a positive side is, you know, to be be awake to the really brilliant things that you didn't expect to happen, which are happening in front of you and offer you new possibilities. And I mean, actors in particular, I kind of, for the first take, very often I don't really say what I, I'm thinking of for, for, for that take to the actors. And embarrassingly often, what happens is better than what I was going to suggest. And I think that that's, that's kind of one of the most magical things about filmmaking is that, you know, it's sort of you're, you're queuing yourself up to take advantage of beautiful accidents. So you need to sort the bad accidents. But I think you're always waiting for this amazing moment where two, two actors just hit a sort of a stride. And it's not what you thought about. It, was, you know, it's, it might be a scene that you just thought was a little throwaway scene. And actually, it's the heart of the movie, it turns out. And I think that that's, you know, I think whatever people tell you, the most, you know, the most interesting thing as an artist, uh, and especially as a filmmaker, is, is, is you, you go in with a theory and then the practice of making the film confounds your theory in really interesting ways at certain moments. And it, it's to be alive to that and to think, you know, to, to, to realize that this is a gift you're being given and actually if we if we we should we should play this character that way in the next scene as well and and you know and build upon that um so i mean i think it's it's uh the lovely thing about making films is is that it is uh it's it's a completely alive thing as you're doing it so regardless of what you've planned in advance or your own ideas about your own story are when you see all these people up and running and doing their work, the actors and the cameraman and the, you know, the costume designer, everybody, great things are happening. They were not near a script. And, you know, you just, you just jump on them and you make the most of them. Indeed. Well, Nick, we're going to have to wrap up there. It's been fascinating chatting with you. And again, a big reminder, The Drummer and the Keeper is the Irish entry at the EU Film Festival at, uh, on Friday, November 30th at 8.30. And it is being held in the new space, the Alma Duncan Salon, which is on level three at the Ottawa Art Gallery. The entrance is on 10 Daly Avenue, or you can get in through uh, the Mackenzie Bridge also. And if you want to get tickets for that, head on to www.cfi-icf.ca 
slash forward EUFF. That's CFI being the Canadian Film Institute, www.cfi-icf.ca. Nick, I want to thank you again. It's been fantastic having a chat, and it's been great learning about the process and the movie, and congratulations on the job. Well done. Oh, thank you so much. I, I'm I'm sorry I won't be with you in person, but I absolutely will be with you in spirit. And um, thank you very much for talking to me.